Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Before we meet our guests, I'd like to remind you guys about our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all sports betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, reports, developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, and next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. Episode 77 of the podcast welcomes Isaac Parks, former punter for UNC Pembroke, and currently the special teams YouTube sensation, Isaac Punts. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this guy, and uh, it's someone I've wanted on for quite a while now. I, I usually, I'm all over social media and all that stuff, but the one thing I just kind of geared uh, gear my YouTube towards is like entertainment. And oftentimes it's not football, but you're one of the very few football follows I religiously follow. So, so welcome, man. How are you doing? Oh, dude, I'm doing great. The sun is shining it's early in the day, ready to get this going. Just finished my coffee. So whew, I'm pumped up, ready to go, you know, having a good day. Yeah, as most of the people listen to the show, we get about a thousand an episode, and I would say like nine of ten either are a parent of a specialist, were in fact a specialist at one point, are still a specialist, or they coach a specialist, right? So I think that most people can relate that you and I right now, this is very busy time. This is the time that we really get to see people all over the country because, you know, it's a six, seven weeks out from the ex- expected date of arrival to to where they're hunkering down for the whole fall and hopefully in the winter when they're playing for championships. Um, so I know you're busy. I'm busy. And we're having to record this at 10 a.m. Uh, and it'll get published next week. But I really appreciate you finding the time to, to speak with me for a few minutes about like a passion that we share. Um, I think I want to start with this, Isaac, is I want you to talk to these guys um, that are high school right now listening to the show. I want, I want them to hear your high school experience, maybe what led you to punting initially, and um, when that process in which you identified that, yes, you know what, this playing on Saturday thing can become a reality, and um, how you ended up at UNC Pembroke. Oh, man. So my, my, uh, my journey for this, I tend to find, is something too many high school kids are going to share an experience with and it's good and bad. So pretty much I start off playing football, right? I come in as a freshman, about 5'8", 170 pounds, a little thick, chunky guy, right? They throw me on the O-line. And uh, one concussion later, I find myself looking for a different job. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So, Amen. Um, pretty much that's, I was looking for something I could do on my spare time, do without having to be around other people, something I could just grind away at and and take it one day at a time, which led me to punting. So pretty much I was a kid with a boot and a dream. And when I say a boot, I don't mean I had a good kick. I mean, I literally would wear snow boots because when I started it was December. So I'd walk outside with my little snow boots on and punt the ball back and forth and just try to get it a little bit further in my backyard every time. 
And that for a lot of kids is, is how it starts off. So going through my high school journey, it was just one kick at a time, trying to get the ball a little bit further than a little bit further than a little bit further. No real rhyme or reason. Um, it wasn't until my junior year that I really understood what a half spiral was. I never even knew that the ball could turn over. I remember my coaches saying that and being like, these guys are talking about it. They think I'm just going to throw it. So like whenever I kick it and it half turn, I'd be like, Hey, that's a pretty good punt. And then my senior year, I had finally gotten a couple little coaching tips um, and was able to start turning the ball over consistently. But at that time, I still had no idea about the camps. I didn't know about Coles or uh, Chris or Corn Blue, or I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I didn't know about any, any of them, you know? Um, so I really just didn't have anything to go off of. And luckily, by the grace of God himself, a college coach came to watch a running back at our school. And during pregames, I kept kicking the ball over this guy's head because he was supposed to be fielded punts. So during warmups, they're like, who the heck is booting the ball this far that this guy we came to watch can't even seem to catch it over his own head. So they looked down there, they saw me booting the ball. And that started my recruiting journey. Um, it was very lucky. I was able to get a PWO to an FCS school with having zero exposure. Um, and this is, here's the little technical tidbit for everybody about how that was possible was I was only hitting like four or five or no 45 yards, maybe 4.1, a lot of sub four punts. So that's a little, it's just a little boost of confidence that if you're doing it consistently, somebody will find you. Uh, don't, you don't need to chase the five O's, but that's my little, that's my little heads up to high school guys. But yeah, so that was my start, right? It was just from backyard to in front of 22,000 people. <laughs> I thought you made a great point. My takeaway from that is, um, A, yes, there, there, there are camps out there as that's a resource for exposure, right? Um, I think there are also opportunities to see people like you and I on a smaller group setting for like the instructional stuff. Um, I also think that sometimes you can have a proactive high school coach, right? Who actually is involved with recruiting, not always, but sometimes, right? And then most importantly, what you said, which happens often is these kids need to realize that every practice this fall is an opportunity, um, obviously not in the dead periods, but where there may in fact be three or four, depending on the school you play for, there may be a number of guys that are evaluating town and other positions that when, when, it, when the foot hits the ball, there's something that all football coaches have, I think, where they know what a good ball sounds like because they've, they've coached at a high level and they've probably been around a couple guys that punted at a high level. Um, and it's not common to hear that sound, especially at a high school setting. So I really think the kids should listen to that again about what you said. You know, it was indirect, but I directly had an impact on influencing this guy to say, who the heck is this guy? I'm not, I'm here to see a running back, but I can't see this guy be athletic because this punter is out punting his, you know, his skill set. Um, so I really, really appreciate what you said. And it kind of leads me into my next question there. We're dealing with uh, 23s are the primary focus now or about to be, I guess. There's still a couple of 22s kind of getting places, but 23s are be, will be heavily looked at. And I think some of these 24s that are really, really talented are also popping up on boards. Um, and I, I think most of these kids have aspirations to play at the biggest school in their state you know, you're Alabama, or if you're in Ohio, you want to play for the Buckeyes. But um, in reality, most of these specialists will play for programs who are less relevant, right? They're not going to be a primetime 8 p.m. ABC game on Saturday night. Um, I'd like you to share your experience playing at 
at one of these places, but how you overcame that and like took the opportunity that was presented to you and you maximized it. Could you talk about that and the realities that these kids will not all play at household places? Yeah, uh, I'd say the first the first part that even goes into that is just like you said, kind of managing your expectations and knowing that like if that school that you want to go to realistically just signed a punter, probably for the next four years, they're not going to be interested in signing anybody else. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the way it goes. If you just buy a car and you love your car, it doesn't matter what new car just comes out this year because you still have your old car that you're going to, you know, put some miles on. So it's really, it's nothing personal, but that's just the first thing that happens is it just takes a lot of good timing to get into your dream school. It's not even how about how good you are. And even then, if you want to go there and try to become a walk-on, like a lot of guys will have to figure out the hard way, it's going to, you can be a walk-on. Actually, it's a lot easier than I think people think, but you're going to sit the bench. If that's the dream for you and you want to just be at your school, it doesn't matter whether you play or not, then, hey, that's all up to you. You can go there, pay out of pocket, walk on, and then, you know, maybe by your senior year, once that guy in front of you uh, finally moves on, you can get your playing opportunity at your dream school. Realistically, for me, I wanted to play. And I think that's the most important part is that if you want to play, you can find a school that you can play at. It's the number one thing I tell all my high school guys that I coach is that if you want to play, we will find you a way to play. There is a coach out there that as long as you love the sport and daggum can at least hit a spiral a couple of times, you'll be able to play. Now, luckily, most of my high school guys, I'd say, have been pretty good. We've been able to land them scholarship opportunities. Um across FCS down to D2, you know? So um, it's not as hard as I think a lot of younger high schoolers will believe it is to get a scholarship, but you've just gotta be open-minded to the fact that you're looking for a chance to play. The stars really have to align for you to get that FBS scholarship that you're wanting just between everybody else in your class and coaches being able to see you and you being able to go to camps and have your best day at their camp. So a lot of stars are going to have to align there, but if you're just looking to play, you'll be able to play. For me personally, it was a no brainer. Once I got a shot to play at any level, I took it. And my goal was never, you know, it was always to bring the eyes to me. I don't have to be put up in front of the eyes because guess what? You get a first team All-American recognition. You get a second team All-American recognition. You get your junior pro day eyes will be there at you, you know, and that's one of the experiences I was blessed to have was as a junior uh, in college, I was able to have NFL scouts come to the game to watch me for the first time in, in years at this small little program, you know, you've got guys coming out there to watch you. So that was my thing. I didn't have to be at Alabama. Maybe scouts would have been there anyway, but you know what? I was, I was making a splash in my own pond. Amen. So that's kind of what it's about at the end of the day is if it's you versus you, especially for a specialist, right? I know people talk about it anecdotally, but it really is true. The field's always the same size. Your 60-yard field goal is going to be a 60-yard field goal. You know, your 50-yard punt's going to be a 50-yard punt. You know, especially if, if you're good, they're going to come looking for you. It's not like one of these things where they don't, they're going to have to match up your talent with other people. You know, you're not an O-lineman blocking a six-foot, 185-pound uh, defensive end into the dirt because you're playing d3 no you're a punter punting a standard issue college football 55 yards in the air with 4.7 seconds of hang time that's gonna translate well no matter where you're at yeah i mean wow a lot so i'll start with this i think 
the number one takeaways for kids should be timing. Do not take recruiting personally. Um, oftentimes it's a matter of when you were born and you have no control over that, right? It's not your ability, right? It's not how you did that one day in front of them, which may have been your best day. Yeah. And uh, don't feel, again, don't take it personally because it's, I think life is, is attitude, right? It's, it's, it's how we react to things. I, I don't think it's what happens to us. I think it's how we respond. And I think that what you said is true. More, more importantly, maybe than timing is the realization that we are different. It's not a quarterback being evaluated who he throws for 6,000 yards on a division two secondary the entire season. No, 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 no. It's completely different. A 37 left hash in Connecticut on right to left wind at 12 miles per hour. If you go 19 to 20 in those conditions, right? I think that that speaks volumes. It doesn't matter who you're playing alongside because you've got to execute in what we do. And what we do is it's in a vacuum. It doesn't really involve anyone but us and what we produce for the scheme to protect or, or to cover. So I love what you said, man, like take your opportunity and run with it. Um, you can be found at D three. It's been proven. Some of the best kickers in the NFL never sniffed a television set in yeah. terms of they never played on TV until they got to Sunday. So we have to be mindful of these things because I think there's some special kids that get passed up through timing. Um, I want to move on to, something a little lighter your youtube page again I, I mentioned briefly at the start of the show like i go on youtube and I, i've never said this in the show but I'll, I'll say it i i don't like to watch football related things i like youtube to kind of have a release typically i want to laugh i want to smile i i want to learn you know i can i can get out of a 60 minute news segment i can probably draw the important things on a youtube link in three so i i use youtube for various things but the one football account i will say i religiously i mean daily look at and i'm fascinated is yours isaac ponce can you talk about maybe how it all got started um maybe what your initial purpose was and perhaps has it now shifted because of the realization of wow like this is a huge i mean you get a huge following uh, could you talk about that story, kind of where it started, where it's kind of maybe uh, evolved? Yeah, for sure. So I get first, I'm going to agree with you on one thing, since we're so, somewhat in the same field. When I get on YouTube, because of the content I make, it's always trying to feed me football related videos. I look past them. There's a lot of great content creators out there that make football related videos that I will never watch. Because I'm just, you know, like guys will, guys will hit me up. Hey, Isaac, look, I just made this form breakdown video. I'm like, that's great. I'm never going to look at it. I love you. Like you seem like a great guy. There's nothing against you, but like I spend between coaching to my own content, 40 hours a week plus just analyzing form. I can't, sure. I can't sit down on a computer and watch somebody else analyze form. It's just like my brain is just fried on that stuff. So I think we're on the same page when it comes yeah. to Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're producing content. People don't realize the con, especially the level you're producing right now. Um, it is a full-time gig. Um, I was actually surprised that you said 40 hours cause you were considering on the field and off. I, I honestly couldn't imagine you doing it with less than 50 or 60, to be honest. I think your work is quality. I think it takes time to produce that. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of organization. Um, and, and you're efficient with your time. So I just have a lot of respect and I want you to kind of maybe delve into that a little bit. It's like, Hey, I know it seems like I'm just posting daily and I'm just kind of like, you know, 
stat pointing and maybe getting a film footage and cropping it and trimming it down to this size. But can you talk about the process? Because I think people need to realize you are sacrificing a lot of your personal time to provide this content. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the biggest part of it is my philosophy has always been put quality punts on the screen. And that sounds easy enough, but there's kind of a lot of details that go into it, right? Like what, when you kind of put in a bubble, what makes a good punt? It's wow, right? It's kind of a big question. You know what I'm saying? Sure. There's distance, there's hang time, there's how people cover, right? Um, a good punt can be nullified by bad coverage and that's a video on its own, but you know, so there's like all these different aspects that go into it. There's, there was the whole debacle with some really contentious stuff. A lot of, uh, and this is just an example, but like if you go back and watch all of Matt Arise's tape, which trust me, I've seen every, every 79 punts. Sure, sure, me too, you know? absolutely. He's fun, he's fun to watch. Fun to watch. Yeah. There's, there's some arguments there that it's not always great punting, but bad returning, <laughs> you know? I mean, how many yeah. 60 yard four twos down the middle can be let bounce over these guys' heads before you go, holy crap, line up at 50 yards, right? Line, yeah. So you only have to run 10. Um, I, saw, I mean, it's fun to watch. Oh my gosh, do I love watching it? Just like the first one of the season or the game against New Mexico State where they assumed it was a, a, a farce or a hoax or something like that because the returner kept lining up at 38, you know? Like you just, and then he just kept hitting. He had like a 59 yard average on six punts with like two for 70 plus. Games like that are fun, but um by game nine in the season, when it's still happening, you're just kind of like, okay, these returners are just not well coached. Let's talk about that real quick. I don't, I don't think, cause again, the demographic that hears this and it's okay with me, it's okay with you. A lot of these guys listening are coaches, but I mean, ironically, these are the coaches who don't make these mistakes. These are the coaches. These are the coaches who watch right. your page and listen to my little tip on Twitter, and they're always taking new information in. They're experts in 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 fourth down. I understand, but even even then, yeah. I think the best realize that this is something that you and I do full time. These are outlier positions yeah. that complement scheme. I think they're experts in scheme. And I think the best ones mm -hmm. um, are humble enough, right? Vulnerable enough to say, look, we need to collaborate here because you do this every day and I do the other 10 positions and punt. Can we maybe come together and you maybe coach me up? Because what you're saying is very true. We're not, we're not questioning Matt's ability. We, we, we think Matt's Sunday able, but um, I think that he may have been better suited in a higher level of coaching uh and been forced to directional punt more or been forced to maybe put it higher and focus on trajectory instead of distance, because there is such a thing in Sundays. If you outkick your coverage, dude, if you give Tyreek Hill 20 yards of space because you didn't account for hang time first, um, which is another thing I want to get at with you is with philosophies. Don't you think that like most these punters listening and coaches hearing this should acknowledge the fact that what physics says is the the trajectory will bring the distance in fact if we optimize trajectory we'll get the most out of the distance i think most people fundamentally think that the driven ball will bring about the furthest distance and i think there actually is a break-even point that says that's not even true so why not flirt with hitting it high and letting it run 
than driving it and hoping it's high enough to not get like, I don't know, scored on. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, what is it like roughly like a 45 degree angle is probably about accurate. So guys that in their heads think that like launching at about 33. Now, obviously we don't sit there and like bring out our protractor when we can. Sure, sure, like sure. Feeling sure. of uh, I'm going to get the ball kind of at, at that out and up angle, right? Hips sort of angled up when I'm kicking to give it that sort of pop up and out. That's kind of more of like my philosophy. It's easier. I'll, usually I'll have kids like get their body in the right angle and be like, look, your, your body's a backboard, right? For this punt. If you kind of are straight up and down, it's going to go this way. If you're like all the way lean back, it's going to go up. So like you got to kind of create yes. this, this nice little backboard that launches the punt off of it. Um, but yeah, I think 45, like my longest punts have had hang. I have never hit like a, so my longest punt in the air is about 70 yards. Um, past the line of scrimmage so 80 82 off my foot if you count my steps sure <laughs> um and anytime i've hit it it's had about five seconds of hang because it's just optimal flight path not because it's like you know it's just mm -hmm. i think it'd be really hard to hit a ball that far lower because it's just you know so close to the ground it doesn't have time to just like catch a float or anything so um yeah i think the optimal getting that optimal hang time distance going is, is just like the best thing for you and knowing how to hit that also lets you know how to reel it in you know so like once it's time for you to hit the 50 or the 45 yard 5-0 punt you know now you just know okay I just get, I'm taking the same thought process I had with my swing just changing my angle a little bit and then just boom here I go raise my hips a little bit more let that ball come down a little bit shorter just take that nice easy float um, so yeah there's definitely a lot to go with off of just instead of thinking about where you're placing it, just think about the angle it's leaving your body at and just swing the exact same every time. We're getting into dangerous territory because I am going to bring you on, on a separate episode to talk about some, just some core, some core issues of like what we believe to be true to help all kids at all stages of punting. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love just stay small, stay tall, um, stabilize the core, nose over toe thinking, don't let the hips sink. Don't let the chest go to the sky. There's a billion things that I think that kids are naturally inclined to do when they think they're trying to do the best or what's best for them that are actually, they're hindering performance. Mm. You know, like you said, like the, the, there's so many things about thinking big that actually bring us back to small. Um, and I think we can apply that to a lot in life, you know, but I want to, kind of go into that like so you and i probably see i was trying to do the math last night when i was writing the script but i think that you and i probably collectively see a couple hundred people a year privately or in a small group setting right fair to say, fair to say. um if you could generalize maybe a few things like i just mentioned maybe something different <laughs> in terms of like what people are naturally inclined to do that is in fact wrong right it's inefficient for punting yeah. Like, could, could you maybe point out a few things, these, these parents and coaches and young guys listening, Hey, maybe I should reconsider that real quick. Yeah. So the number, it's funny you say that because the number one thing recently I've been just trying to just drill. It's one thing that for like the small group of elite punters is very intuitive. And then I found that for almost everybody else, they just don't do this one little thing, it sounds like I'm clickbaiting people, but it's, it's very true. And essentially, and I'm still looking for always the best way to say this, it's, I call it, you need to be kicking with your plant leg in the sense of mm. don't use your 
kicking leg to just mash the ball as hard as you can. Instead, be engaging your hips, keeping that plant foot in the ground all the way through the strike, right? And driving your whole body up through that ball with a nice, smooth, fluid swing. That's going to get you the best punt. I found that a lot of punters that struggle getting the big distances and hang times will drop the ball, they'll plant, and then just rip as hard as they can with their kicking leg. What happens is they end up losing their base. They end up doing a lot of other things. And I guess the one little tidbit I'm going to give to them, to people when it comes like this, is just because I would say it's just food for thought, right? Because it's not an easy thing to fix. But here's some food for thought. In every other power motion, in golf, punching, it all comes from their base, right? Not from their arm. And everybody could tell you, you know, if I'm swinging at a baseball, I swing with my hips, you know, that's where the power comes from is by torquing my hips into the ball. So for whatever reason with punting, I think a lot of people get confused or not confused, but there's this disconnect because our hips are connected to our leg directly. So they think in some degree by using their leg, they're using their hips when that's could not be farther from the truth because the muscle that creates power, our glute is actually the counter muscle to the hip flexor, right? So if we try using the hip flexor, we can't use the glute. It's right, they, they work in yeah. counteract. We can't use our bicep and tricep at the same time unless we're just not moving our muscle at all. So since we're moving it, we have to choose one and not the other. So to create power, it's all about using the glutes and not tightening that hip flexor. It's, you know, it leads to crunching and coming off your plant foot and destroying your base of power and a bunch of other things. But that's the one tidbit is, if you feel like you're struggling with getting distance and hang time, which not every punter does, right? But if you're one of those guys that, uh, for me, when I was in college, I always tell guys anecdotally, my biggest ball is like a 54-6. You know, a squatting 415, deadlifting, you know, 425, power cleaning, uh, 275, couldn't break 4.8, you know. Wasn't until I started doing this, using my hips. Now I've hit, I don't know, my best, my best ratio ball was like a 65-5-5-1, you know. Um, punts I never thought I'd be able to hit just because like <laughs> yeah it was it was nuts it was absolutely insane uh, anyone who anyone who knows what the heck that means <laughs> is probably like hold on what <laughs> yeah uh, can I just interrupt like of this is this is not just punting what you're saying is so true it's objective like there's there's no doubt and I like people that can can support their coaching with things that are objectively true, not, not opinion-based. Like there's facts here. Like, and I love what you said with drawing the parallel with the bicep and tricep. One has to be cut off for one to be full go. It's, we can't argue that. And I love as objective as I can be. I love because I feel guilty sometimes if I give my opinion and it doesn't work. What I found is in 21 years doing this, that like chase objective thinking. Mm-hmm. because I think that the person trusts you, the client, the parent, the coach that's, that's learning off you. If you can support it with objective truths, right. That, that are, that, that, that there's no way around it. I think it, the attitude, the receptive new information, you know, we're receptive to new information more if we're confident that the teacher or the coach is providing us with information that is it's proven. Yeah. Right. So I want to, Go off that. Nick Vogel, great kicker, UAB, grew up in Jacksonville. I had as a 14-year-old, there was this like day I knew he'd be special. It was like maybe junior, senior year. He walked up after a Sunday group and he's like, hey, 
Um, I think the reason why I'm killing everyone else here on kickoffs is because I'm thinking different. I, I'm pulling from my left quadricep. I'm pulling from there and I'm driving that quad in to pull through, driving that quad in to pull through, which is exactly what you're referring to in punting, which is, which is, I mean, it's, it's undeniably true. Um, and I love what you said when you try new things, um, you're not going to be as good as you were 10 minutes ago because you had done that thing 10 minutes ago, 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. When you incorporate new thinking and apply a new, new technique, I think sometimes there is a place to realize that I'm going to struggle through this to in the end, in fact, come back better than I, I ever was. Yeah. Um, and that's where you and I as coaches have to do a very, be very careful with not like being too pushy and letting them kind of flirt with this way of thinking because everyone's unique in, in the way they receive information. I've, I'm learning this mm. and um, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I know, you know, what you're saying is true. And what I'm saying is I believe what you're saying is true. However, I think some people need to be shown it's true slower than others. Yeah. You agree? Yeah, it's definitely, I think like you kind of said, the biggest aspect of this, whenever I'm teaching you guys is there has to be sort of a positive feedback loop. Um, almost indefinitely, the first time you try it, you're not going to get, that, you know, I'm not gonna no think, way. here's something new, do it. Um, and then bada bing, bada boom, it works out perfectly and everything comes back natural. And I think as coaches, we always would love for that to happen is to be like, Hey, why don't you try, don't swing as hard, use your, you know, kind of use your left glute a little bit more. And then boom, they hit their first 65 and everybody high fives and we do cartwheels and sing, you know, Kumbaya realistically. Amen is they focus on that, they mess up their drop, and then they hit it, you know, 45 yards towards the left, uh, you know, netting them eight yards north and south. And, Ugh. you know, because they, they start focusing yeah. on something new. I mean, we've all been there as coaches. We give kids something new, and they immediately do what? Eat dirt. <laughs> sure. And, but once that, that positive feedback loop happens, what I love so much about, I guess this one specific technique is that it's so – for these kids specifically, you have to swing so much less hard to hit the exact same ball you're doing yes. before, which is so beautiful. So it gives them this great sort of like release because you can you can take a lot of reps learning it. You know, you got to say that again because what you just said is you're you're creating sustainability. Can you repeat what you just said? Because we need to be good for 16, 17, 18 weeks in the end. Yeah. Can you repeat what you just said? Because I think that is what you just it's so important that we're trying to run a marathon here. Yeah. So, so why would you not want to like support your kicking leg with your plant leg, right? Let the plant leg do some of the, or plant side, if you will, do yeah. some of the counter activity, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not only just that too. It's, you got to think if I'm using my kicking leg, the, the muscles that are going to be required to support me swing that as hard as I can is going to be things like, when I've forced my shoulders down because I'm trying to swing my right leg up as hard as I can, right? You, you have to crunch to swing it harder because you're squeezing your hip flexor. When I bring mm -hmm. this motion in, I'm straining my right back. You might not think about yes. it because you're thinking kicking leg, but the reality is the only time I've ever injured my back is when I was trying to kick as hard as I can with my leg, you know? So the muscles that are involved in this, that's not a natural movement. The, the regular punt is a very natural swing, right? Where everything is kind of relaxed, except for just 
you know, that little pop and swing. And, and then now your leg is up and through and, and you're hitting good contact. Um, so it's just way more sustainable, like you said, because the amount of muscles being used actually becomes less, right? We're using one different yeah. muscle to use significantly less muscles in the long run. And you could do it for some, like I have to cut my own practices off. I'll be out there for an hour and a half, two hours. I'm like, okay, Isaac, yep. I got to stop now. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, well, let me, let me go on that thought. Like, do you agree that, I mean, punting is linear. I think that kicking is non-linear. I think that's why punting, punting can be done like softball pitchers can throw essentially. Whereas pitchers in baseball that are non-linear, they're off axis. They're, they're more prone to injury. Mm-hmm. However, I think that the better you get with being a good punter, if you will, or, or streamlining your process or staying linear, the more inclined you are to feel like you can go longer, which is true. Right. Yeah. But I think what you're, what you're saying right now is you still need to, to set some limits to these things because it's still an aggressive movement. It's just not as aggressive and unnatural as kicking. Is that true to you? Uh, yeah. in a lot of ways it's, it can be very, um, I would say when you start getting tired with punting, you kind of will, will begin to compound problems too, right? Like once you start getting tired and, and you're not hitting your 55 or if you're a high school, you're not hitting your 42, 42 anymore. What tends to happen is guys will start trying to force it. They'll start, start, start trying to swing for it. And then typically what happens is that's when you start opening yourself up to injury. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's more so along the lines of, you know, if you're out there for an hour and a half, your body's already getting tired. You're probably already dehydrating those muscles, which means there's going to be less water in them. So now that one time you go to swing for the fences because you, mm. you just miss it two or three in a row, you swing around and everything, like I just said, you bring that left shoulder down, you twist, you contort. Now you just pulled something in your back and you're out for a week. Um, and it's just, it only takes one. Cause I think punting, like I said, you could do it a lot. I don't know how much I can't quantify. how. Yeah, much sure. Do. Yeah. That's dangerous. We don't want to go there, but, but you but. Can do it a significant amount um, and be able to get away with it. But it's when you start getting frustrated near the end, that's when you're opening yourself up to injury. So always stop while you're ahead, you know, always listen to your body, hydrate lots, do think, you know, countermeasures to present, prevent yourself from injury. But yeah, like you said, just, just limit it. You know what I'm saying? If you know, you start getting frustrated hours, or minutes uh, 60 to 90, maybe, you know, use hours 55 to 60 to hit your, your final charting session every day, you know, or whatever you do to end it. End on a good note. I get that, but limit yourself, prevent yourself from taking the injury. Well, let's, and we're going to end with this, but ending on a good note, which, wow, this is, this worked out perfectly to right. end the show. I think, and I want your opinion, it is not often, mm-hmm. but when I, when I see, anyone i don't care if he's a high school kid or a pro when i see a kid that hits a rep that feels right and he's done enough of that particular exercise or drill Mm. he shuts it down and moves on right whether the period called for 10 minutes and he's five minutes in i like the people that are i guess how do i say this um they're so comfortable in their own skin that hey i just hit five in a row doing this drill why do i need to do 10 reps because the sheet said 10 Mm. why don't i why don't i just save the reps remember the good ones i just did five times in a row and move on to something else that that we need to we need to cover today maybe a left hash left i love kids that and i i don't want to misrepresent myself here and saying i like lazy people however 
I like people that can acknowledge that through their hard work, perhaps they don't need 10 today. Mm -hmm. They needed, they needed four in, in in the mindset that, Hey, this is long-term. This is good for me because I'm going to be sustainable. As we mentioned, do do you agree with that? And, and is that rare for you to see too? Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot, a lot of maturity. Um, And that's something that typically for me, I won't see until, shoot, even my freshman in college guys, like they'll want to just stick to their regimen, right? It doesn't matter if they come out, yeah. but understanding that your warm up is something where it's, it's, it's a layered buildup to your full punt or to your like game punt or for, cause I only talk about punting. I've only been a punter, so I, I can't speak on kicking, but. Sure. You know, yeah. I get it. Yeah. For me, like if I come out and I'm in my rhythm already, you know, like for whatever reason, which it'll happen once you've been doing it for 12 years. But some days I come out and the first four punts off my foot are spirals 42 yards with 4.4 seconds of hand. And that's a testament to what I've built. But it's just the reality, you know, is that sometimes I'm just I'll just come out and those are my first four 10 percent punts. So if that's the kind of day I'm having, I'm just going to keep building off of that. Right. Like make sure I'm staying loose, getting warm. But I'll take, you know, four or five down the middle. And then if I'm hitting clean, everything's on my line, I'll go ahead and start doing four or five directionally, hit some rights, hit some lefts, you know, and I'm, I'm going to start just keep building on that feeling of like everything's connecting. I'm in my rhythm. I'm flowing. I'm feeling smooth. Um, same thing for if I'm having like a really form sound day. If I'm going out and I'm going to warm up with a bunch of one steps, what are logically, what are one steps five through 10 going to do different for me? then one steps one through five, if one through five are connecting, you know, what more is that adding to what I'm about to do, you know? So, because the truth is, is it's supposed to help you get your form. So whatever you're working for me with one steps is keeping my drop level. It's making sure that as I'm, I'm keeping my plant short and getting into my body position, if I do that perfectly steps one through five, and I'm just, Hey, I'm just in my groove what's the next couple reps going to do, you know? So, I mean, it's just that, like you said, it's a great point of just showing some high level maturity and being able to just build off of what their body's already doing and, and naturally what they're feeling. And some days you'll come out and one through five won't feel good. And you'll have to do five through 10, you know? And that's when you can tell who is lazy. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Like, I love what you're saying because I think monotonous anything, right? If like, let's talk about school. Yeah you know, periods one through seven, you know, like that started in first grade sometimes for some of us and it ended in 12th. Um, wouldn't it have been cool to try to beat the clock on biology class or calculus or social studies and saying that if we retain enough information in the lesson in 20 minutes, you guys get to go to the courtyard and socialize for 25 more minutes, right? I think that would have made everyone a little bit better student it would have, I mean, the attentiveness, you know, like we, we would have been present more because we had the realization that we didn't have to be here for 45 or 47 minutes. Instead, man, it, we could have 20 minutes of really, really awesome work and then go about our business and give ourselves some flexibility and like maybe some, the socialization that has proven to be effective for learning, right? Like get away from it, come back in, get away, come back in. Um, and I don't think that we should treat what you and I do any differently. I think sometimes we should realize that today's workout, the intention was to be here for two hours, but damn, you had an A plus day. Get off the field in 55 minutes. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I think that does something for our, for our psyche, you yeah. know? 
Uh, it's not like a prison sentence where you have to serve this time for two hours. Instead, it's like, mm, it's flexible. It, it's, not, it's, it's all dependent on your focus and your performance that day. Yeah. Um, so I know we, man, this went a little past what I intended, but you are fun to talk to. And I, I want you to just share real quick uh, how people could maybe get a hold of you in a few different ways. Maybe obviously I'll offer the YouTube, but some people might want to email. Some people might want a Twitter handle, anything you feel comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think probably the, the one that I'm best at responding to is just uh, follow the Instagram account. It's Isaac Punts, I-S-A-A-C-P-U-N-T-S. Um, Twitter's also the same. I just have a, a hard time. I don't know what it is about Twitter. I have a hard time getting back to DMs. I think it's because once I open the DMs tab and then close it, it's like, oh, you have no more messages, so I'll forget about it. Um, yes. Which is yes. pain, pain in the So a, a lot of times kids will well, they won't think I'm dodging them, but I feel like they'll think I'm dodging them. Cause Me too. I yeah. just, I'll open it and get away. So like, if you message me on Instagram, if I open it and see it and don't click on it, when I come back, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't responded to this and I'll, I'll get to it. So that's the the easiest way. That's the way you're most likely to get a response. But connecting on Twitter is probably where I'm most active with like retweeting, replying to tweets. You know, if you at me, I'm, I always retweet anybody that adds me. It's my big thing, right? Is um, I made the Twitter originally to help kids get recruited. So um, I have tons of college coaches following me. Fun fact, I've got the uh, the athletic commissioner of the Big Ten following me. I don't know why, you know, he just it just happened one day, just shot me a follow. I was like, all right, there you go. I guess because the Big Ten loves punters. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah. Punters love the Big Ten. It's one or the other. You know, I'm not sure who's the chicken <laughs> egg here, but they daggum just keep popping out great punters. So, um, yeah. So I mean, Twitter, Twitter, and Instagram are the best ways. Go check out the YouTube channel, uh, Isaac Punts. It's just it's just fun punting content. You know what I mean? I think. Every time somebody tells me they watch my YouTube channel, I always get a little bit like, whoa, people actually watch this. But I just talk about punters. I talk about cool things happening. Um, lots of throwback plays, um, lots of updated current plays. I keep up with smaller leagues like the USFL, CFL, stuff like that. Uh, D2 football, D3 football. I try to anything that's worthwhile. You know, if it comes across your page, it's going to be worthwhile to watch if you like punting. I, I don't put any junk out there. I'm not going to throw out, oh, look, here's just a good one solid four, five, four, five directional. That's great. Those happen eight times a week, you know, or eight times a game. So um, they're great punts, but this is for exceptional punts. So check that out. Could you mind also adding at the end, you have some new swag I really like. Uh, could you point them in the direction of how they can access that stuff and what it is? Absolutely. So the new, the new swag for your punting bag that I call it, I'm actually rocking one right now. Um, they're the official Isaac punts towels i've got the ip logo um and then i've got the nougat logo it's like a a football that's also a missile right so it's really cool stuff um so what you want to do is go to let me get the name up here real quick because i got to make sure i'm saying it right because i literally i just launched this the shop today so it's ipuntsmerch.myshopify.com so it's a shopify shop ipuntsmerch myshopify.com um, i'm just launching it i just launched it this morning um, all the gear just came in today so go out there support your favorite punting youtube channel 
second favorite, right? Do you have your Do you have a YouTube channel that you post to? No, I mean okay. I do. I do, but again, like I, you, you've inspired me. I think to to go that route in the fall, but right now I don't have time to add that on my plate. You you've been a pleasure, man. Like this has honestly been one of my favorites. This is like episode seventy seven. I do it almost once a week, at least twice a month since I started this, but. It's just been really, really awesome to finally like talk to you. Um, it's it's neat, you know. I, I I like what you you produce, and you're a good human. And I think that you are um, definitely doing wonderful things for the for the thing that I'm passionate in. So, thank you again, and I, I think it means a lot to everyone here at Fourth Down Focus that you're able to share this information. That, that it's gonna it's gonna um, benefit these kids. I mean, whether it's marketability of oneself or identification that we can go beyond Florida Gators and Florida State Seminoles to play football and pursue some great things. Um, and, and you're a testament of that. So please give us a five-star rating review, subscribe to the show, share with a friend. If you have any questions, suggestions for future topics or guests, if you just want to leave feedback, you can reach me in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. On social media, Instagram, Twitter, my handle is fourthdownu. If you want to go to the Facebook, LinkedIn route, I'm at Dan Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y, um, and YouTube, Fourth Down University. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with a new guest, and I hope this summer is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.